from the KTOO Newsroom in Juneau. I'm Claire Stremple with a look at your local and statewide news. The World War II-era tugboat that sank in Juneau last December has finally been hauled away after nearly two months underwater. The wooden tug cost more than half a million dollars to recover. And the vessel is a symptom of a larger problem. As Alaska's fleet ages, harbormasters, boat owners, and the state faced a costly environmental hazard. KTOO's Anna Canny has more. An 81-year-old tugboat called the Tagish met its watery end when a cold snap cracked its pipes. Its sinking ended a decades-long restoration project for Juneau local Don Etheridge. I had most of the deck rebuilt. Um, I had I rebuilt the entire interior of it, and uh, it scares me to think about how much I put into it. The remains of the boat and the pollution it released were recovered by the Coast Guard and shipped off to a landfill in Seattle. Cleanup costs reached $650,000, a cost Etheridge could not cover up front. It's hard to restore old vessels to their former glory, but it can be even harder and more expensive to dispose of them. It costs you a small fortune to get rid of a boat. It's cheaper to pay your mortgage than it is to uh, get rid of the boat. So the Tagish floated for decades as Etheridge worked little by little to restore it. For many years, he even had it insured. And then the insurance company notified me that they weren't going to insure it no more. The age of the boat being being as old as it is and being a wood boat. Just like that, a hobby project became a huge liability. In Alaska and many other coastal states, boats are aging. According to the McKinley Research Group in Anchorage, more than half the vessels in southeast Alaska are beyond the typical lifespan for boats. The Tagish is it's a symptom of a bigger problem. We're, we're in Alaska. We're remote. Boats are getting older. Um, there is not an easy, cost-effective way to dispose of vessels when they reach the end of their useful life. That's Matt Cresswell, Juno's harbormaster. Old boats have caused multiple headaches in the community over the last decade. But until 2018, the state did not require ownership titles on boats, which made it nearly impossible to hold someone accountable for cleanup costs. Rachel Lord is the former executive secretary for the Alaska Association of Harbor Masters and Port Administrators. She helped pass legislation that required vessel titles and expanded the state's abandoned and derelict vessels program. But she says the law doesn't do enough to address the aging fleet. These large old boats are liabilities. They're beautiful. They were part of our history. In some cases, they're still part of our working our working fleets. And they all have a, a lifetime, a clock that is ticking. And so the question really becomes, who bears that liability? Who bears that cost? In this case, it's still Etheridge. But a bill of more than half a million dollars is a significant burden for many private boat owners. When a boat poses a pollution threat that owners can't afford to clean up, the Coast Guard may be called in to dispose of it using money from the Federal Oil Spill Liability Fund. That's what happened with the Tagish. And theoretically, you know, owners are kept accountable. But also, you know, that is not an unending pool of money that the Coast Guard is just going to be authorized to continue using ad nauseum to deal with all of our vessels. The federal government might set up payment plans to work with vessel owners. But Coast Guard officials confirmed that their costs for vessel cleanup are often not fully recouped. Technically, federal funds are the last resort. But because vessel disposal is so expensive, that's often what it comes to. Vessels sink, and then federal funding starts to flow. 
Other coastal states, like Washington, have developed programs to get ahead of the issue. The state has a pool of money to reimburse municipalities for vessel cleanup and a voluntary vessel turn-in program for boat owners. You're dealing with it proactively instead of having to deal with sunken vessels and mitigation and cleanup and all the other things that come happen when a vessel starts coming apart. Alaska has an abandoned and derelict vessels program, but that program has no state funding. According to attorney Holly Wells, who helped to write the state law, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to long-term restoration projects like the Tagish. It can be tricky to declare a boat derelict. The burden of proof falls on the state or municipality. Neither has the money to examine aging vessels. And old boats are essentially uninsurable. Juno Docks and Harbors are discussing ways to prevent another situation like the Tagish. But they don't have a robust funding structure to deal with vessel cleanup. And Wells says it's really the state that should be taking the lead. And the more we can do that on a state level, the better, because when municipalities are bearing the burden of adopting restrictive laws or imposing insurance provisions, that impacts their relationship with the users of their harbor and their facilities. On the local level, that is that can be really damning. In Alaska, the Abandoned and Derelict Vessels Program lacks teeth and state funding which leaves a floating liability across the state's coastline. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. The Iditarug Trail Sled Dog Race just got underway this weekend with a ceremonial start in Anchorage Saturday and the official race start in Willow on Sunday. Just 33 teams took off, the lowest number in the race's 50-year history. But as Alaska Public Media's Lex Trinan reports, there was still lots of excitement on the trail. Temperatures dropped below zero degrees in downtown Anchorage as mushers prepared for the ceremonial start. It was especially cold if you came from Australia five weeks ago, like musher Christian Turner did. He was wearing a heavy-duty jacket down to his ankles. Yeah, so this is a non-stop dog wear moo-moo, and it's uh, basically an arctic anorak. You can put anything, all your normal clothes underneath it, and then the anorak goes to the top and keeps everything warm and everything compressed. It's sort of like wearing a sleeping bag. Despite the cold temps, Turner and plenty of other mushers were excited for the untimed 11-mile parade along city streets and trails. Around the corner from Turner, Riley Dyke sipped coffee. Yeah, well, you have like a week of hurry up and wait and hurry up and wait. And now we actually get to run dogs a little bit and it makes it feel a little bit more more real, not like we're just kind of in limbo. So The staging area along 4th Avenue was quieter than usual for a Iditarod ceremonial start. With about half the number of teams as average, the sounds of yipping dogs was more subdued. Still, the event drew thousands of people out along the trail to watch. Rookie Bridget Watkins says she's glad extroverted mushers like herself can feed off the crowd's energy one last time before embarking on the real race. Just like I feed off the fans' enthusiasm, the dogs feed off my enthusiasm, so it's just like this big giant ball of excitement everywhere, and that's what the start's about. Out on course, mushers kept the enthusiasm high, stopping to chat with fans or even eat hot dogs. Jason Mackey had another way of interacting with the crowd. Before starting, he reaches into his sled bag to show off his goodie bags. I don't know, there's probably 20 pounds of filled booties with candy, so. He tosses those signed neon booties to kids along the trail. Fans also pass out drinks to mushers, who sometimes aren't ready for a cocktail at 10 in the morning. Veteran Aaron Peck says he makes some exceptions, though. I only accept... IPA, good like good quality beer. Don't hand me that light beer stuff, you know. And hot dogs. I'm hungry, so if anyone's got a hot dog, you know that that's good. But 
Once the fanfare is all over, though, mushers turn to what they really came for, the official start in Willow. Temperatures had climbed to double digits by the time the 33 teams took Four, off at 2 p.m. on Sunday. Two, one. There he goes. The first musher on Iditarod 51, Jesse Holmes. Rookie Judd Stevenson says the Iditarod is a culmination of a lifetime dream. The Idaho musher says he's only trying to have little thoughts as he prepares to hit the trail for the first time. Little thoughts is just getting down the trail and stopping in about 50 miles and leaving it at that and not thinking about a thousand because that's would crush my soul if I thought about that too long. For some dogs too, there was some nervous anticipation. Marty, one of reigning champion Brent Sass's dogs, was barking excitedly before the start. The young dog had some big shoes to fill as the son of one of Sass's main leaders last year who retired this year. Young, energetic, and has no idea what he's getting himself into right now. So uh, yeah, but he's ready to go. It's pretty fun. To, pretty fun. He's the youngest guy in the team. For Sass, going into his eighth Iditarod, the pressure of getting his second win wasn't high on his mind. I, I feel like I'm the calmest I've ever been for any Iditarod start. He says after all the fanfare, he's ready for his Iditarod vacation. Reporting in Anchorage and with help from Liz Ruskin in Willow, I'm Lex Trinan. Longtime interior dog musher Jacques Philippe was seriously injured in a head-on vehicle accident on Parks Highway last week. A GoFundMe page set up for Philippe says the Nanana area musher and University of Alaska Fairbanks researcher is hospitalized with a long and difficult recovery ahead. The Frenchman who moved to Alaska to run dogs in 1985 is a veteran of the Iditarod and many other races and adventures, including a 1990 mushing expedition up Denali. Now largely retired from sled dog racing, the 65-year-old Philippe, his wife, and son maintain a small kennel with focus on ski joring. It's sunny in Juneau today, with a high near 29 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight, with a low of around 12 degrees. Sun and below freezing temperatures are in the forecast through Saturday. You're listening to KTOO.